This is episode 79 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on this podcast episode, we're talking with Martin Gonzalez, who actually reached out to me via Instagram and wanted to talk about his progress in landscape photography, you know, understanding who you are, when to go pro, do you want to go pro, do you want to make any money in it at all, was a deeper part of our conversation But we also talked about how Martin gained a lot of inspiration from taking workshops from photographers and what may be lacking in the photography workshop industry that more beginners would want to see from instructors. So whether you are somebody who just likes to shoot for fun or whether you are a professional photographer who runs their own workshops, I think this conversation is really beneficial for anybody listening. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Martin Gonzalez, and and Martin actually reached out to me. I think we should pay homage to Jared Armijo because, Martin, you actually reached out to me in Instagram DM saying, you know, you really liked what Jared was saying about stepping outside of your comfort zone, putting yourself out there, and starting to share your thoughts in photography. And through some back and forth, we nailed down kind of a time to record and and what your philosophy is basically on photography. But I guess to start out, like I have every single guest share is kind of kind of share how you got started in photography and uh, what led you to where you are right now. Yeah, so around six years ago, I was in college in my second or third year and i was feeling a bit lost i didn't quite know how to put it it feels a bit of angst i bet some good old college angst and um i watched this movie called into the wild which is based off of the book but this idea of finding myself in nature was super intriguing to me so i started hiking out in the San Gabriel Mountains by where I am, which is right outside of Los Angeles. And around the same time, I was gifted a point-and-shoot camera. So I would go out, go hiking, and I would have this little point-and-shoot camera, and I found that I really enjoyed just photographing anything that I found out on my hikes. So this then continued for two years, and I purchased my first interchangeable lens camera. And from there, it just blossomed into what it is now, where I photograph as a hobby on the weekends or whenever I have any type of vacation. It's just been this almost essential part of my life now, uh, given that I have a full-time career. There's a lot to unpack in your answer there, Martin. And and the first question I have for you is, is what about that film Into the Wild sparked your interest in going outdoors and, and kind of the exploration to find yourself? So what really stood out to me was, I guess, like social constructs and, you know, getting yourself into a career and doing what every... I guess 17, 18 year old does 
in their um, in their life. So they go to high school, and then of course you go to college, and then you get a career. Um, so I was struggling with that at that point, and I majored in accounting. So that's not exactly the <laughs> the most enlightening career. So I just wasn't sure how to deal with these feelings I was feeling towards my career, but then also this newfound love for photography. Uh, well, that was afterwards, but um, so this movie kind of showed me like, hey, maybe if you get out into nature, do some reflection, kind of look inside, like maybe you could figure out what's going on and uh, get a clearer picture of where you want to go. So that's really like the message that resonated with me. And I'm really glad I did begin going out into nature and just, you know, doing nature walks, doing hiking, uh, because now it's just this huge essential part in my life. It's funny. I, I was recently having a conversation about this movie with somebody else. Um, I didn't like it. I, I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I did not like the movie. Why is that? Well, okay. So in the end, I don't spoiler alert for anybody. Oh, <laughs> if you, if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, just skip over for like 30 seconds or a minute and pick back up. So it, he figures out in the end, the whole thing he was looking for throughout the entire movie or his journey is connection to people. And then he was mm -hmm. stuck and couldn't get out of that. And it was probably like, Everybody told me growing up and I forget when it came out, but through college, they were like, oh, you would you would eat this movie up. You would love it. And then I watched it one night when I was home alone and I was like, wow, that I'm really depressed now. Oh, man. So for me, I think I'm more connected to the first half of the movie because, okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, the movie doesn't end well. Um, and I'm sure there's a lesson to learn for that. But can I can totally choose. Can you pick and choose moments in movies, though? Uh, I think it's based off of how, like, kind of the takeaways I got from the movie. So the takeaways were yes, nature is good, but it's like in moderation with almost everything. Because I think the protagonist in the movie ended up overdoing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like you could pick and take from the movie are there any other movies that have kind of influenced how you live your life or experiences that you want to have or hobbies that you want to pick up you know thinking about any other type of movie i can't really pinpoint as much as how this movie affected me um, this movie was really just kind of like a spur of the moment when I watched it, I said, you know what, I'm going to go hiking and I'm going to see how it goes. But after that, it's just been photography. I really watch movies only like at the end of the year when there's like year end list of like best films of 2020. Um, but they don't impact my life the same way. All right, I'm going to give you some to, to watch, okay? Okay, Obvious, yeah. Obviously, um, the Alex Arnold film, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I have. Okay, that that's a great one to watch. And then the same, I know Jimmy Chin did a lot of the filming on that one. The same 
kind of crew, I think, that filmed that one also filmed another climbing documentary called Meru, and they climb a mountain in uh, the Himalayas. And the whole film, like at the end of it, I was like, oh man, I got to go to the Himalayas. I got to (laughs) explore. I got to just go do something. I'm obviously not going to climb K2 or Everest or anything like that, but it was very inspiring. Sweet. Thank you. I've added it to my list. For sure. For sure. Um, I want to go back to the college conflict that you were talking about of kind of picking a, a major. I know a lot of people, myself included, when I was in college, I, I really struggled with that. Um, and I kind of thought, okay, I'm going into something that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. That is obviously not true in people's <laughs> linear professions, but that's kind of the mindset that I have. What about accounting for you made you stop and pause and, and second guess what you were doing? Oh, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Accounting was kind of a, I don't want to say last resort, but it was just like, well, I took a class of accounting in high school, so I guess I'm going to be an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what ended up happening. It's just just the way it worked out. I was always feeling a bit too scared to change majors, especially going in two, three years, felt like that would really set me back. So it almost just stuck. And looking back where I'm at now, it was probably one of the bigger and better decisions I've made in my life. Why is that? It's So the career itself can be enjoyable in the sense of... Uh, I like order, okay. and, and in accounting, there's a lot of order, but there's also a lot of problems that are left to be a bit more complex, so they require a bit more creative thinking. Um, so that together, it's been pretty good, I think, over the last six years, and it also provides me the means for all things photography. So <laughs> um, I get free time on the weekends, and also I can schedule out trips, you know, months in advance. So this balance of my career and photography, I feel like I found a really sweet balance. I think that's really good just because a lot of people see photography as a career jump or a career move. Have you ever felt like you wanted to make photography your career move? Definitely. Early on, I would fantasize almost about doing landscape photography full time. Uh, But it wasn't until I actually started listening to your podcast, Matt Payne's podcast, and just kind of hearing the business side of landscape photography and how much it takes to actually derive some form of income from like different revenue streams. And the accounting side of me, like my accounting brain, was thinking, this isn't feasible, or it isn't feasible within the next year, or even the year after that. So in order to shoot what I want to shoot, it's almost best to stay in my career right now and just explore what I want to photograph 
when I have that free time. Do you think in, in our age group, uh, how old are you? I'm 27. Okay. I'm going to bracket you in with me. I am, <laughs> gosh, what am I? Am I 33? I I literally just blanked. Let's say you're 32. Okay. We'll go 32. <laughs> um, even though I do think I'm 33. Uh, <laughs> so let's bracket us in together. We're kind of in the middle millennial age group. Sure. Okay. Um, is that idea of kind of following your passion? I'm doing air quotes with my fingers right now. Is that yeah. a romanticized idea? Definitely. I think with this Instagram and kind of showing these wilderness influencers and these travel Instagram pages, it's been super romanticized to travel and find yourself, uh, which I'm not against, obviously, but doing these outlandish trips on the whim. And I think it's definitely what younger folk aspire to do. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they did a study on younger children and asked what they wanted to do. And they all wanted to be either influencers or YouTubers. And I think that's fascinating, but also really scary. <laughs> I just, the feasibility of it and having it as a career, I don't think is as realistic as many might think. What did Plus you... it's super saturated. Yeah, it, yeah, I mean, that's true too. Take yourself back though in the shoes when you were, say, kindergarten, second grade, somewhere in that range on career day. What, what would you have dressed up as yourself back then? Oh, back then, I think I always wanted to be a vet. Okay. <laughs> I really liked animals and just had a ton of books of different animals and different type of wildlife. So that was kind of a dream early on, but I think that got kind of shattered growing up. Is that my, my argument here and why I'm saying this is... I feel like a lot of people choose doctor, vet. Um, I, I'm a big sports guy, so I dressed up as a Braves baseball player. Um, <laughs> that in and of itself, you know, the, the chances of making the Braves team is, is very few and far between. So playing devil's advocate with you here, mm -hmm. would it also be not feasible for me back then like has the system changed of little kids dreaming for the unrealistic or the infeasible and why over time is that shifted to something more reasonable got it i could definitely see that point i think if we split up the age group so if you look at from you know kindergarten to fifth grade I think definitely they can aspire to be these social media influencers or YouTubers. But I think once you get hit with like a dose of reality, maybe in high school and going into college, I think your ideas of what you want to do in life might need to have some reevaluation. <laughs> um, so I just split your study. Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
when you're thinking about like what you want to do as a career, I know we're kind of balancing the photography side and a, sure. uh, how the world views a, a full-time career side as kind of like you do in accounting. Um, what are like life goals, career goals that, that you want to have? You know, for me, uh, I've been very lucky to get the job that I currently have. And my goal is I just want to be happy in my role. I want to produce good work. And once I clock out, I clock out. I'm doing what I personally need. So let it be photography, personal health, or just reading books that I want to read. I don't want to focus on work or, you know, work towards this career lifetime goal. If I'm happy and if I have the means that I need to live in an apartment and have food and do photography, my goals are then transitioned over to my photography goals. Knowing what you know about yourself and your personality and, and your goals in life, would you say, I mean, you have a leg up on other people in terms of happiness on what you want to be? Definitely. I think I've thought that through. And if I were to, you know, try to do landscape photography full time, I think it'd be miserable for me personally. And I would lose love for what I produce. Um, so n knowing myself and kind of coming at peace with what I currently have, I think it allows me to photograph from a place of happiness when I am happy um, rather than thinking how I'm going to make ends meet. Do you see or feel resentment when you are stuck in an office and aren't able to go out and shoot? Oh, yeah. When I'm at the office setting and I turn on Instagram and just kind of scroll through my feed, that definitely hurts. And it's, you know, for that split second, when I see someone out in Utah or Seattle in the forest, you know, I feel a little bit of jealousy, but then I got to, you know, think back and just kind of reflect on that's okay. I have trips planned coming up soon and, you know, with some patience, I'll be able to be out there soon too. With that, I mean, with that answer though, that's, that sparks the question in me, how do you make <laughs> Instagram work for you as somebody who knows you have those limitations and when you are able to get out, you have the limitations and time of, of amount, amount of time spent in the field. How do you make Instagram work for you rather than the other way around it controlling your jealousy, your frustrations, <laughs> your resentment? Yeah. So my relationship with Instagram, it started off where I wanted to be that influencer. <laughs> so I would figure out like what tags would be the most popular, um, what pages I should um, at. And that didn't work out. It quickly mm -hmm. turned to me being frustrated with the platform. So from then on, I just used it a bit more intentionally. So I'm having, let's say, one post for the week. I'll post that image. I'll scroll through the feed. And after that, 
I just forget about it. I actually have notifications turned off for Instagram just because I know if anything pops, I'll look at the app and I'll instantly be pulled back in. So I try to use the app now more, a bit more intentionally. So I still plan to watch through my feed, but I don't spend too much time on it during the workday, at least. Um, I think when I do that, I just feel a little bit more internally bad about not being able to shoot as often as I could. That's very Marie Kondo of you. <laughs> I also watch Matt Diavella. I don't know if you're aware of him. Yeah. He's a YouTuber. So he's very big on digital minimalism and minimalism as a whole. So I try to apply that to not just social media, but a lot more aspects in my life. Are you a minimalist? I'm not there yet, but I strive to get there. In every phase of your life? Or are we talking just like material items? Are we talking... Uh, we obviously usage of media. Are we talking, you know, you're going to live in a van in a couple of years. <laughs> you know, a dream of mine is hopefully since I'm investing right, right now, when I'm a bit older, I can fully sustain myself in a van and just kind of live out of a bigger van traveling to my favorite national parks. So that's a long life-term goal of mine that I've got tabled. Hey guys, real quick, I just want to talk about a really interesting opportunity that you have right now to save some cash on some photography instruction. If you go to my website right now, davidjohnstonart.com, you can get 33% off any of my courses for a limited time when you use the code David33 during checkout. That's 33% off for a very limited time. You can also go to visualwilderness.com and get any of my courses on post-processing for 33% off using that same code of David33 for a limited time too. Remember that code's not gonna last forever. So you, if you want one of those courses, go ahead and jump over there and get one of those for 33% off either on my website, davidjohnstonart.com or visualwilderness.com. Let's get back to my talk with Martin. You know, talking about Matt Diavila, um, do you also listen to Gary Vee? I do. <laughs> okay. So I think this rant is going to be like very familiar to you, but mm -hmm. I also think it's timely for everybody else listening of understanding like who you are. And it brings up a lot of, you know, I talk about a lot how photography right now is probably the most realistic time to jump into it the most realistic time to uh, pursue your passion if that's what you want to do because of the level playing field that not only the internet provides us with but also the leveled platform that i think the pandemic has revealed to a lot of people the usage of zoom and the ability to get yourself out in front of faces more with presenting to camera clubs coming on podcasts like you're doing here the the playing field is completely leveled out and it would be very easy to climb into the profession and get your name in front of people's faces 
more often than it was, say, I mean, even one year, two years ago. But being real with yourself about who you are, what your personality is, and what, well, as you're saying, make you happy in life really gives you uh, uh, your own level of happiness and a leg up on everybody else. And I think it improves your creativity too, in terms of what you're able to produce when you're out in the field, because you're not, as you've said, constantly hampered with uh, what are people going to like, you know, what do I have to rush back to, to post-process and get back out on the internet? Uh, It's a, it takes a very unique personality, I think, to be a a photographer. Yeah. So that's actually something I was going to bring up, you know, to make it in today's setting of Instagram, you have to churn out some form of a product. And to back up your product, you have to have these images that resonate with the audience. And that at some point, I think is going to cut into your artistry and creativity of what you actually want to produce. So for me, just trying to produce what the masses like, it would, I think it would suck the soul out of me. Um, I wouldn't be producing the work that I'm currently producing. And, and then it would make me sad. <laughs> so doing landscape photography wouldn't be what I originally wanted it to be out for. So are all landscape photographers soulless? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think that's a that's not it. But in Instagram terms, those Instagram travel pages, they have to push out work that might not be creatively driven and more so like eye candy. Mm. So I feel like there's not a lot of how do I want to put it without offending anybody there's no real of yourself in that image but it's more so presenting these jaw-dropping scenes does that make sense for sure yeah it totally makes (laughs) sense yeah I think that what you're talking about makes me think of those photographs where you have this amazing scene, but like a little person down in the foreground or something like, and there's nothing wrong with producing anything like that. I've seen some great stuff from Paul Ziska, uh, Sarah Lindsay. I've seen great stuff from Josh Cripps um, recently putting himself into some frames, Um, but doing so in a way that like, I think spurs that jealousy is where the difference comes in. Definitely. I'm sure there are many ways it could be done tastefully. I was alluding more to those that are just purely, I think, made to stir something for the viewer to kind of like have that travel us. And Mm. they're not really trying to create I don't want to say definitive, but I just don't think I would want to push out work like that, which, you know, to everyone, whatever they want to produce, they produce. But I think that's kind of how you get to Instagram stardom. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's just how I feel. 
let's switch over to kind of like how you enjoy shooting. So are you able to define your style? That's a hard question. (laughs) I feel like my style hasn't yet changed to where I want it to be. And I'm still working towards a definitive style. Well, let me ask you this then. What do you want it to be? I want my work to show the viewer to kind of see both what I'm trying to show in the scene, but also the photographer I was at that point in time. Um, I think images, when they're made over the course of like my last six years, you can kind of see what person I was at that point in time, what I was aiming my camera at. And I hope much later on down the road, when I'm producing images, they can see both the art that I'm trying to produce, but also the person that I am. I want it to be quiet. I want it to be emotive. And I think if you look at all my images at a point in time, you can kind of see a bigger picture of who I am. Well, let me ask you this. I, I know I just said I wanted to jump away from the business side, but your answer there just just sparked another question in me in that you have these these images that I scrolled through and, and loved. I mean, looking at them, they're very good photographs. Thank you. Looking, looking at those, you also have a website um, where you have people that can contact you. What power do you want your photography to give to people when you're not trying to do a business, but you still have a website, there has to be something there that you want people to take away from it. Sure. I think that's a really good question and something I've thought about because if I really wanted to just do photography for photography's sake, there wouldn't be a website, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, I think my website is to show an accumulation of work that I'm proud of. And just recently, I've had some old college friends reach out and say, hey, I see you're doing this photography of landscapes. Can you just kind of give me some tips on what to do? And it was that connection that I made with them. I was like, wow, this is... This is nuts. I've just been doing this for myself, and now people are reaching out to me, asking about you know what I do, and just giving them tips on just to photograph what they want, and not to really look at you know what others are shooting. Whatever makes you most happy is just photograph that, and I think your work will show for it at a much later point in time. So I'm just trying to you know produce the work that makes me most happiest and show that to others. And if that resonates with them, I think, you know, my job's done in that regard. Okay. Let's jump back into infield workflow. Kind of take me through your process of creating an image, what you're looking for when you go out, boots hit the ground. What is the next step? Sure. So when I go out to, let's say Zion, I'll allot maybe four days to that national park. And I don't have any preconceived notion of what I'm going to photograph. I'll just walk either the east side of the park or the main canyon 
and I'll just observe. So it's a very, you know, it's an approach that could yield no photos at the end of the trip. But I feel like the images that I do happen upon when I'm doing this kind of just like leisurely walk, they're, I have a bit more of a connection with them because, you know, I saw, let's say, some pattern and I stopped and I composed the scene with my tripod and I'm in it 100% in flow and I'm photographing these patterns. You know, that's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. And I feel like there's a connection between what I'm shooting and that image at the end product, I think, shows that connection where there was some detail-oriented composing and making sure there's no distracting elements. So for me, it's a slow approach that actually I didn't quite know was the thing until I went on a workshop with TJ and Eric Bennett about a couple years ago. And they kind of prescribed this sort of just walking and figuring out, you know, what interests you and what about it interests you. And then from there, how are you going to highlight what interests you in this scene? What did TJ Thorne and, and Eric Bennett say to you that made that click? Um, honestly, once the workshop started that very first day, they just said, all right, let's just walk on out and let's see what we find. And they made it so easy. They, they made it because for me, I looked up to TJ and Eric Bennett and I thought, oh, surely they plan these images or they know what they're going to shoot. But, you know, with them to kind of solidifying that idea, I was like, oh, wow, I think what I'm currently doing, um, it works. And they just kind of added more layers to that idea. Like follow the light. It seems intuitive, but it really isn't, I feel. And they just really gave me a new look when I am walking, just kind of observing. What would your life look like without landscape photography? <laughs> Scary, probably. I don't know what I'd focused a lot of my anxieties into. I'm sure I would find something else. But the joy and kind of the cleansing I received from landscape photography, I don't know where or how I could replace that. How do you see it lowering your anxiety and stress level? Um, so over the years, when I do have any form of anxiety balling up, I would just go shoot. And it was really the combination of having a camera and walking among nature that I think this anxiety cleansing comes from. It's where I slow down. I don't think about any of my troubles and I'm just full-heartedly there and I'm conscious and I'm aware of my surroundings and I can you know, smell the nature around me and time slows down, I feel. And what I've noticed is after these trips, I just, I feel good. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. I don't have that not feeling in my stomach 
it's just it's just this transformative feeling that I feel feeling that I feel. <laughs> well, a lot of the things you're describing in that are mindfulness practices. Yep. It's it's almost I practice meditation on a day or a, every other day basis. After I hit a 10-minute meditation, I feel good. But when I go out and I do landscape photography for three, four days, I feel amazing. It's like meditating, but ramped up by a thousand. It's your nirvana state, man. <laughs> yeah, I've been reading about flow state, and uh-huh. a lot of that resonates with me. I feel like I am hitting flow state and landscape photography. And I've heard that that's when you're at your happiest. And if you do that often, you know, you're going to be a much happier guy. We've had people talk about flow state on the podcast before. Um, I've experienced it very few times is, do you have ways that you can kind of tap into that more often than not? I think for me, when I'm just out and about shooting, the best way for me to achieve it is just to eliminate any distractions. So my phone's kept in my backpack. It's like notifications are off and I'm just there. And when I really tap into it is if I find a scene that stimulates that part of my brain where I'm like, all right, this image, I see something and I need to figure out how to get that something. So when I'm interacting with the scene, that's when I feel like the idea of myself, of my consciousness completely erases and I'm just engaged in photographing this thing. So I, it brings up this story that I watched the other night on 60 minutes because I am like a 75 year old white man at heart. And that's what I watch on Sunday evenings. <laughs> um, so I was watching and they had this story on uh, a young pianist and he was completely blind and he was just an amazing musician. He could play the piano like nobody else I'd ever seen in my entire life could easily pick up like could listen to a song and he could rewrite it in his mind on the piano. And they did a brain study on him. They put him, uh, in one of those, what is it? A CT scan. Mm -hmm. Um, and they put him in there and they played like a lecture from a very boring, you know, lecture in like a college course or something like that. And nothing in his brain like lit up, but when they played music, all the neurons in his brain like went nuts. And I feel like I wish there were studies like that for photography, for landscape photography, for visual arts. And there probably are, I just haven't seen them. But I think for a lot of photographers, whether you are doing it professionally or not, should tap into like what that idea of what your brain spark would look like if you are out photographing in nature and and seeing something that excites you if you've lost the passion too if you are a professional and you lost the passion or if you're a hobbyist and you're in a creative rut i think thinking about what what interests you in that way could lead to 
more joy in photography rather than like have you, how you've been saying um just following the trends on instagram definitely i think that would be really interesting to see i know for myself uh recently i've been shooting a lot of focus stacked images of like let's say some patterns in a pool of still water and mm-hmm. i've noticed when I'm focus stacking those images and just just there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, that's when I really hit that state where I'm just focused in on this manual task at hand because you know I'm switching the focus ring, making sure the image is sharp after I photograph it. And there's no time for me to think about anything else. So that would be really interesting to see for even myself on what scenes where my brain you know kind of flares up a bit differently. You know, it's funny, and I would be curious to see that on you as well, because you talk about being an accountant, having fun, <laughs> playing with like what what's wrong in the equation. You're you sound like in everyday life. You sound like a, a structured planner, like well organized type A, but you sound like the complete opposite in the field. And I don't know you like personally. Yeah. I've never gone out and shot with you, but it seems like like that's kind of what you're saying i mean in terms of accounting i don't know if i'm a super structured guy but you know i do my best and when it comes to photography if i am doing something technical i do want to make sure it's completely sharp from the top left to the bottom right so i could maybe that's uh i think a good comment about my photography but in terms of work i don't know about that yeah i do my best (laughs) you're better than me i got a d in accounting in college it was that a in high school that's what led me here (laughs) that's it man that's it (laughs) i'm wondering what why did you decide to sign up for a photography workshop with tj and eric so it was a pretty big decision just because, you know, I was, I think, working about two years into my career and workshops are not exactly cheap. No. Um, so just thinking that through, um, I felt the instruction that I would get from them too, especially since I had been looking up to them for however many years, that it would pay in dividends, you know, afterwards. And it did. I think it was a very defining moment in my photography. And I can kind of distinctively look at my work and see like work before the workshop and then work after the workshop. You know, to this day, I still think about some of those teachings that they gave out. And it's resonated with me. And I still keep in contact with TJ and Eric um, and, you know, still get their ideas about some of my images. But I think overall, it was a a really good experience. What's missing in workshops for somebody who could be a consumer? Hmm, that's a good question. I think since TJ and Eric's workshop was a lot different from what is usually the traditional workshop, you know, where I don't want to generalize workshops, 
but from my understanding, it's usually location-based. But TJ's and Eric's workshop was more instruction-based, trying to think about shooting images that resonate most with you and only yourself and trying to make it into a compelling image. So I can't really think about what's missing in terms of workshops on a grand scale. There has to be like, what incentive for you though? Would it be cost? Would it be location? Would it be kind of like their instruction style? For sure, it's that last point. I think instruction style is, I think, the most important aspect of the workshop. I think location, you can visit a location at any point in time. But for me, it's the instruction that I received from TJ and Eric and what they were alluding to in photographing what stirs something within you. I think TJ likes to say, you know, I like to shoot images that elevate my soul. Sorry, TJ, if I butchered that, but that really stuck with me. And it's kind of nudged me to photograph images that I normally wouldn't have or even, you know, share images that I wouldn't have. Let's wrap up with this. Um, what, where do you want to see your photography go in the next few years? Sure. You know, I'd like it to be where I can reflect back on the work and see a bigger picture of myself. But also, I've been photographing Zion for the last three, four, or five years. And it'd be fun to see, you know, a much more bigger gallery of just Zion, the national park, and kind of looking at, like, my different connections across the park over the last five, six years. And then even further, you know, 20 years from now, looking back on that work and just kind of seeing my work evolve of this one national park, I think that would be even more exciting for me to look at. Well, he's Martin Gonzalez. Martin, I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your thoughts on photography. I think it's really valuable for those who question whether or not they want to be in full-time landscape photography or for those who are just thinking about just doing it as a hobby. And I think your advice for them is extremely valuable. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me.